Welcome to Making Fit Work. I'm your host, Nina McGough, certified personal trainer and nutrition coach and busy mom of two. I'm committed to helping you get real results by sharing best practices and life hacks to staying consistent. I also regularly interview other busy professionals who have mastered the ability to juggle it all while staying the course with their health and fitness. Let's get started. Hey everyone, clients are always asking me for my recommendations when it comes to a good protein brand. And I want to share with you my go-to. I always suggest J-Raw Protein. They make both a whey and egg white protein, which is actually how I personally came across this brand. I started to notice that I was feeling really bloated after using uh, my original whey protein. And so at the time, I was looking for an alternative that wasn't plant-based. Um, a colleague had in the industry recommended J-Rob egg white protein to me, and I have been hooked on it ever since and always recommend it to all of my clients, particularly those who struggle with the lactose that's in whey protein. It's awesome because unlike other alternatives, it has the same yummy, smooth texture as whey protein, making it really easy to mix with anything, whether it's in a smoothie or making a protein bowl or just having it with water on its own, unlike plant-based proteins, which typically have a little bit of grittiness to them. So I'm super excited to officially be partnering with them now so that I can offer all of you 20% off all of their protein products. Super stoked to be able to pass on these savings to you guys. All you have to do is use the link in the show notes and then use coupon code FITWITHNINA when purchasing any of their protein products. So that's actually going to be jrob.com backslash coupon, backslash fit with Nina, and then at checkout using fit with Nina and the coupon code to save 20% off. Enjoy. Hey everyone, I'm your host Nina McGough and today we are celebrating the very first birthday of making fit work. I can't believe it's been one whole year on this podcasting journey with you. I am seriously so grateful for your listening ears, um, your rave five-star reviews, and any time you decide to share this podcast with your people, it really does mean so much to me. I hope you guys know that. In order to celebrate, I wanted to do a fun recap of the top six most listened to episodes over the last 12 months. So that's 52 episodes, and then share some of my favorite nuggets from each because Truly, every single episode, whether I do a solo episode or I'm interviewing someone else in the fitness industry or just someone who's not in the industry and sharing their experience with us, their insights, their perspective on how they make fit work, I really do always take something away from them, and I hope you do too. So let's dive right in. Coming in hot at number six was episode number 26. That was the episode on strength training for women, how and why with my friend Ty. I love the way that Ty in this episode talks about training for the long game. She really talks about looking at the long game for her clients. What is it that they want to be doing, not just right now, but in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, how do they see themselves? So take a listen. I want training 
to challenge you more so than your daily life, right? So if your purse weighs 10 pounds because you got a whole lot of stuff in there, but you're doing bicep curls with a five pound dumbbell, that's not making you stronger for life. Right. If your toddler weighs, I mean, I got a 70 pound son that still wants me to pick him up. Yeah. Maybe he's 80 pounds now. If I'm only deadlifting a 30 pound kettlebell, it's not challenging me to where picking up my son is now going to become easy. So for me, training for strength means that you are creating a base for your body to be able to tolerate the demands of your lifestyle and to make your life so much simpler, so much easier. So I like for women to just think about that. I mean, like, you know, like I challenge them like, Hey, how heavy is your kid? Yeah. I need you lifting more than that. I actually had a client once say to me, she's on a weight loss journey. And she just said, but you know, like, seriously, what is the point of me getting stronger? And like, I'll be honest, my mind was like blown. I was like, that's like a question. (laughs) But she like in her mind and I just, and I love this stuff. I love these conversations because it did help me see like, what perspective is she having behind this? Right. And her perspective, because she was on mainly a weight loss journey, and you know, I'm doing the like air quotes here. She's like, I don't care if I can carry a table across a room or like she was kind of using that example. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care if I can lift up my table and move it across the room. Like she legit was like, what is the point of me getting stronger? Yeah. And at the time I was like, what do you like? What do you mean? (laughs) You know, but like, let's talk about that. Yeah, I think it's valid. I think for a lot of women, they feel like they can just be in a maintenance plan, Mm. which is fine as long as you are where you want to be, right? right? Like you can, have you achieved what you want? Like if she is still trying to lose weight, then we probably still need to gain muscle, right? She's still in a process. Um, For me, and again, I'm thinking about longevity and how long we can be training for and not breaking hips when we're 70 and stuff like that. For me, I'm like, we are going to lose strength. Like that's just what happens. We lose strength and we lose power at a faster rate than we lose strength when we age. So being able to get up and go is just something that we always have to attack. And for me, I'm like, well, I'd rather be way far ahead of the curve so that when I do lose strength, I only come down, you know, two or three notches. But if I've only been maintaining, then when I do start to lose strength or God forbid an injury happens, you're really falling down low. So for me, I'm going to build and build and build and build and build for as long as I possibly can. What if I get in a car accident, I blow out my knee and I have to take six months or a year to rehab or something. I'd rather have a way further head start. Yeah. You know, like I don't want to not be able to come back from that, you know? So for me, it's just a constant need and drive to be better. Right. Just in case or preparing me for, I mean, I want to be able to do clean and jerks in front of my grandkids. I just posted that or something that came up the other day. And I was like, Oh, it's an email that I'm drafting right now to my newsletter. And the subject line was, I want to clean and jerk in front of my grandkids, which is a huge goal for me. Like, I don't want to lose mobility. I don't want to lose strength. I don't want to lose power until I can prove to my grandkids that I'm a badass. Yeah. So that's another key component to training for longevity, right? Is not burning the candle at both ends. So Mm. one of the biggest things that I talk to people about is 
evaluating your phase of life. What phase of life are you in right now? Do you have a newborn? Because then it's probably not a building phase in the gym, right? Like you probably are going to be a more of a maintenance program. Um, Get it in where you can get in. And that's such a great point, right? So many new moms get down on themselves for not being able to get back or they're like feeling weaker or they're like, they don't have the time to work out. It's like, well, no shit. You're exhausted as hell. Like, right. You shouldn't expect yourself to get back to that pre-baby plan. Absolutely. You need a new plan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it could be a whole new you, right? Like, especially, I mean, if this is your first kid, whatever, second kid could be completely different. You're dealing with a whole new you, right? So you kind of need to come up with a new plan, right? Built on the premise of maybe the old plan, but you keep living in the used to could. I, I don't like using that term, right? Like, well, I used to be able to. And I'm like, okay, the used to could is dead, right? Like yeah. so you have to reevaluate for the now. But yeah, for training longevity, like it's like a, evaluate your lifestyle right now, your current lifestyle, and then look ahead, see where you might be able to put more effort towards your training program um, and peel back a little bit more from maybe your family, right? Or, or just how much time you need to um, prepare foods or you need to commit to work. I have a video on it. It's called Load Versus Capacities. It's about balancing what's happening outside of the gym with what you want to accomplish in the gym, right? So if you are really stressed out, lacking sleep, not eating well, but then you're going to go into the gym and try to PR your lifts, you know, it's probably not the best combination, right? So you're probably going to get injured or you're going to feel weaker in the gym or you're going to get frustrated. And instead of blaming the gym or blaming your training program, just evaluate what's happening, the whole package, right? Like training is not just about training. It's about health and wellness. And that wellness component is everything outside of the gym, right? Like the gym is such a small portion of being healthy. Mm. So if you don't really evaluate everything and you're trying to just look at your Fitbit and see how many calories you can burn in every single session and just go, go, go. And I'm going to, you know, for 45 minutes, I'm not even going to stop to think or breathe. But then you go outside of the gym and your life just doesn't support that type of training or doesn't support that recovery for that. You're going to end up injured. You're going to end up burnt out. You're going to end up more stressed. And it's just not going to lead in 10 or 15 years. Your body's not going to really appreciate what you did to it. Right. So you're better off slowing down, doing less, making sure that you ramp it up when you can so that in the long term, you can keep doing it. Number five on the most listened to episodes was episode number 19. And that was the top four reasons you're not getting results. This was actually the very first episode of 2022 of the year and the very first in which I had more than one guest. It was super fun. Together, the four of us combined had, I think, off the top of my head, like over 60 years of combined experience in the fitness and nutrition space. I loved hearing what each of the ladies had to share. I learned a little bit from them, and I hope you did too. We each shared our top reason that clients aren't quite getting the results they're looking for. I don't know. Has anybody read the book, Atomic Habits? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. No. Yes, ma'am. It's really super straightforward, but I love how he says, you know, really we fall to the level of our systems. So Mm -hmm. one of the systems in staying 
you know, in not reaching your goal. And goal setting is great, but you need to have a system to help you get there. One of those, to me, one of those big points is setting yourself up to have some system of accountability. So what is that? What can that look like? I mean, we can set a goal, but how are we going to keep going when the motivation wanes, right? It's easy to say, yeah, you know, I want to be motivated and I'm, I'm going to do this, but this is why people fall off. So I think, you know, a couple of tips that I would encourage people to have is when they're trying to do something new after the first of the year to create how to create accountability. I mean, not everybody can afford to hire a personal trainer. I know many of my clients have said to me, Part of the reason why they do continue to train is because of the, the accountability. And they are quite literally putting their money where their mouth is and paying me to make sure that they have their appointment on, you know, these days a week. That happens through groups. It happens through private training. It happens, you know, have all sorts of different things, but and that's coming from my clients' words, you know, accountability that I set that system up for them. But I would also say that, you know, they're, they're good on goals. They're good on creating a support system for themselves and whether that support system is happening. I know, you know, in post pandemic life, that's very different, right? Because not everybody is comfortable to go to a gym or they're not going to gym, but even places like the orange theories of the world or the CrossFit box or whatever, there's a community built in, you know, and there's, there's accountability there, but it's really up to the exerciser to seek that out to help them stay consistent Setting a schedule, I think, is a huge way you can, you know, implement some accountability, whether that is signing up for a class or an appointment with a trainer, but also just most people. And I don't know about you all, but I know for myself, like I do better when I schedule when my workout is going to happen. I put it in the calendar. Absolutely. Just, just like I would a client because I have to make time for myself. I'm sure you can all agree like that you're the one that goes last, <laughs> right? Your top reason people don't see results. Consistency, which I think is a beautiful segue from accountability, because if you don't have those systems set up and you don't have that accountability piece, it really is much harder to be consistent with your workouts, your nutrition plan, anything in life that you're trying to create as a habit or behavior change or modification. One of the things we know about consistency is that Consistency in small amounts creates big results over periods of time, right? So the main things that I think consistency is really powerful for is when you are consistent in creating a habit, and I'm going to speak from a nutrition standpoint because that's my spot, increasing your protein intake for the day, you can start with a very basic way to increase your protein on a consistent basis. Is there protein on your plate three meals a day? Simple question, simple way to get it in. You're not changing too much. You're just making sure to what you were saying earlier in terms of accountability, this becomes just a sense of awareness, right? Am I getting it done? When the consistency and awareness builds, we start to build momentum. We start to create change. And then voila, we create results. And when results happen, we gain momentum in terms of motivation. So as those things start to piece together, our clients get super excited because these tiny little things that we change from a nutrition standpoint or exercise standpoint, whatever it may be, that consistency starts to manipulate the rest of the way we think and behave. And so one is that it helps drive motivation. Two is it builds momentum. And three, which I think is really important, um, and this also goes back to accountability, is People want really fast results, but they're a lot of the times really afraid to identify what might be going wrong or what might not be working for them. When you consistently build a habit, the quicker we get that habit to 
be achieved, the faster we get to realize what's actually working for the positive or the negative. So we actually get to see what improvements or areas improvements we need to fix quicker, especially from a nutrition standpoint, because there's so many ways that we can build that house. There's lots of ways to go about doing it, right? So if you figure that out quicker and you're not afraid to really address the situation, then we can pivot, make changes, and you actually get your results faster, which is what everybody wants. So the accountability factor is beautiful combination to the consistency factor and bringing those two together and kind of piling on that habit change, behavior change, and then consistently doing it is what builds the momentum for, you know, ultimate achieving of the whatever goal may be set. I like a three-tier approach, which I use with all my clients when it comes to consistency. I give them three different options. And then from there, we get to choose which one might be the most effective for their nutrition plan. So something as simple as making sure protein is on your plate for three meals a day could be a tier one approach to consistency. How well can you do this from now till the end of your goal setting career, which you know, goals evolve and change, right? So that's going to be a lifestyle and forever. Um, and the second tier may be what's the quality of protein? Now you know you're getting protein on your plate at every meal. Ah, I like that. Quality is it? What type of protein do you really like? Like, what could we add, change, swap, and make better? And then the third tier may be something along a little more, you know, intense where we're actually tracking, weighing and measuring, which to some people is really helpful in terms of learning and becoming aware and becoming educated of what they really are putting in their body and how much. Each of those tiers can create epic change if you do them consistently over time. But the barrier of entry has to be really easy. It has to be effective for your goals and it has to be enjoyable. It has to be something you really look forward to doing because if it doesn't, I mean, listen, it's not going to be easy. I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's still going to be challenging and hard to do, but it does have to have some sort of enjoyment. So if your first tier is that you just have to have protein on your plate, it doesn't matter if you're eating on the go. It doesn't matter if you're eating out with friends. It doesn't matter if you're making it at home. So there's no excuse as to whether protein is on the plate or not. You just have to choose which one might be your jam for this particular piece of the consistency tier. And then you can build from there. Laura, you wanted to talk about commitment level. Yeah. So more often than not, and again, I'm sure we all go through this in our own capacities too, but more often than not, people say that they're committed to reaching their goals. And then two days later, they stop working out, they stop eating the way, you know, we coach them to eat or committed to themselves that they would end up doing because something better came along. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we get in this, say, I mean, this is like really piggybacking everything here. We get in this habit of saying like, I'm going to work out five times a week. I'm going to eat perfectly at every single meal. That's kind of unattainable. That's again, being like unrealistic for potentially your life. But I think a lot of people start off with that mindset and, within a couple of days, like I said, like they fall off the wagon because it was like too much change for them too soon without even realizing that. And then, you know, we spin it in a different way that when we start to make those habit changes, we start to make the, you know, commitment to ourselves and start to make consistent changes. Again, people tend to, and this is what I've mostly seen. It's not everybody, obviously. People tend to just either forget about their commitments or they don't know how to progress them even more into becoming more committed to their goals. 
But, you know, some examples that I've seen working with clients is somebody tells me they're committed. They're ready to lose weight. They're ready to get stronger. They're ready to start working out three times a week, even two times a week, three times a week, something simple and achievable, but they're going to go travel for a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden they can't work out because they're traveling. Another example is what somebody, they say they don't have time, but yet, you know, one of my clients, she does pushups at her counter while her coffee is brewing. Like that's commitment. But it doesn't have to be this all or nothing black and white style of working out. It doesn't have to be this huge chunk of their day. It doesn't have to be a you know complete mind shift change to make that commitment. It's just something small that can be done throughout the day. But yeah, I think when people people have like false beliefs that they're very committed and yet they're afraid and or not ready. Maybe not ready is a better way to phrase it. They're not ready to take action on themselves, but verbally they say they are and mentally they're not just not ready. Yeah, they're committed until the roadblocks start to come in, or the chaos in life. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Start to happen. And this is where I think coaching or a trainer is extremely valuable because having someone to, as a soundboard, to help navigate through when things start to get hard or chaotic or become a challenge is super helpful to have that one on one individualized approach to, okay, so what didn't work? Where are your areas of opportunity of what we can make better? And then let's come up with a plan together as a team, coach and client, this next week, even better. And then as you morph in that coaching experience, they become more accountable for themselves, more committed to themselves, more consistent in their behavior. And then you are now empowering them to do this as an individual. We can't not talk about proper nutrition. And for me, I think about this mostly, not so much for my online clients, because most of my online clients, and you guys can tell me what most of your clients do. They're both, they're doing both the fitness and nutrition. But when clients hire me as a one-on-one personal trainer in person, I find that this is a big kind of setback for them because they are investing in that in-person training and that feels like big enough for them and feel like, okay, this is a big enough change. This is a big enough investment. I should see all these big results. But obviously, you ladies know, we all know that the two have to go hand in hand when it comes to real physical results. Um, and I will be honest, as a personal trainer, one-on-one, again, online business separate. I struggle to have that conversation with someone who's not bringing it up or asking about it. Does that make sense? Because it's like they hired me. They want the workout. They want the butt kicking. They want the muscle tone. They want the weight loss. Okay, well, we have to talk about proper nutrition. Yeah, at some point. We're not with them the other 23 hours of the day when they're making choices that we have no idea what's going on, even from sleep stress, nutrition, there's so many other factors to that. But you're right. A lot of people come in and do that one hour session and think, oh my gosh, that one hour in the gym is going to just, you know, it's earth shattering and my whole life is going to change. And we talk about this a lot on the Eat Right Nutrition podcast. That one hour is just like 1% of all the other things that are part of a health and wellness program. Mindset is another piece to that as well. Yeah. And when I say proper nutrition too, like just to clarify for people listening, I think you guys know this, but I don't mean like, 
a diet. I don't mean necessarily restrictiveness, like cutting things out. Like some people, proper nutrition for them might be adding, right? Adding more food, adding more carbs, healthy fats, focusing on the protein on at every meal. So it's different for everybody, but I think people just get in their head. But if I'm going to add this intense exercise, I'm going to invest in these training sessions, and then they forget about that nutrition piece. And then it ends up being kind of like, eh, I have to eat better. I will eat better. I know what to do. I just haven't done it yet. Or I need to get back to it. That goes like a summary of everything we just said too. It's I have to do this, but something's holding me back from it. Yeah. And so much of health and wellness is individualized. Like, listen, we all squat in a workout program. Right. For the most part, right? Unless you have issues, then we find a different way to work those same muscle groups. Nutrition's no different. We all need to have protein. How we do it is going to be different for everybody. So the goal behind a coach or learning about your individual body of what you need from exercise and nutrition is going to be the defining moment here as to whether you can hold yourself accountable, be consistent, be committed, and then ultimately get the results that you want. So everything ties in so beautifully, such a great episode, Nina, because all of these things, you know, the title of this is, you know, why you aren't getting the result, right? These factors are all huge aspects of everything. It's an all-encompassing lifestyle. So if your workouts and your nutrition are not coupled together to give you as the individual the best results you can get for your life, whatever that may be in whatever stage, then... I think it's time to fine tune and look a little deeper. That's all. Number four on the top six most listened to list is episode number six. It's structure, preparation, and mom guilt with Lori D. Lori D is a full-time working mom, and it was great to hear how and why she chooses to prioritize her health, fitness, and overall well-being. Lori dropped some amazing nuggets that I hope that you can connect with here. Everything is always different. Everything is evolving. Your life is not stagnant. Your schedule is not stagnant. So it's sort of being able to fit it in, but being flexible with it. Like if I could, I would spend seven days a week at the gym for three hours a day, but that's not feasible. And so if I can work out five days a week, for a half an hour to an hour and feel like good, my body feels good, then I'm doing what I can do. And so if I have to miss a day I had planned because all of a sudden we have soccer practice or all of a sudden one of my kids are sick, like it's sort of about rolling with the punches and not letting it throw you off the wagon or into a rut. It's really about being flexible and working around what you have on your schedule. I just think with the nutrition, and this is a constant learning for me, but it's preparation is 100% of my success. So Sundays are my meal prep day. And for the past, I don't know how many years, I've been making mason jar salads for lunch. So they always have chicken in them and I vary the vegetables and stuff, but I make four of them so that my lunches for the week are done. And then I have one day where I can bring leftovers or whatever, but it doesn't bother me to eat the same things. I kind of like that. You know, I like to know what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. So that every day that takes a huge weight off my mind. Like I'm not thinking like, oh God, what's for lunch today? Like it's all done. And it does take time on Sunday, but the amount of time and aggravation it saves me right. during the week is priceless. Right. So I just think that meal prep is so important. So figuring out how that works for you. 
And I think the other thing is like one thing at a time, don't try to do it all. Like this has been a learning process for me for, I have, well, I have a 12 year old, so I'll say 12 years. <laughs> I've been trying to figure this out and every year it changes. And yeah. It evolves and you get better at things. So don't try to do it all at once. Pick one thing, figure that out and then add something else. You know, if you approach the whole thing and, and I mean the whole thing, like the nutrition, the fitness, the time away, the permission, approach it with kindness. There's this Mary Oliver quote, what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Like, this is your life. This is your body. This is your day. How are you going to spend your time? This morning, I've been walking a lot, which has changed my body quite a bit. I just want to say that. So for all those people who say, I can't work out, you go for a walk. That is some kind of magic right there. But I was walking and it was this beautiful blue sky. And I was like, I am so glad I decided to go for a walk today. Like, I just think that making those little choices and looking around and seeing the impact, that's what makes the difference. So if you can meal prep and you can eat nutritious food and it makes you feel good, like relish that and be in that moment and feel that goodness because you did that for yourself. Like be kind to yourself. Like this is your body. This is your life and do whatever you can do to make it the kind of life you want. In number three, the Kick the Cravings episode, that was actually episode number 28, one of the most popular episodes, and I'm pretty sure I know why. I don't know anyone who hasn't dealt with some midday or late night cravings at some point in their journey. So I shared some of my biggest insights and tips on how to kind of kick those cravings to the curb so that you can finally start to see results. It's a really short episode, so if you haven't listened to the whole thing, I definitely recommend going back to episode number 28, but here are a couple of little helpful clips in the meantime. Chances are you don't necessarily have a sweet tooth that's getting in the way of your results, but you do have an energy deficiency problem. And an energy deficiency problem is typically caused by one or two things, a lack of good quality sleep and or some nutritional gaps, right, throughout your day. And let me get into and explain this a little bit more. I know and totally get that everybody underestimates the importance of sleep. It happens all the time. People will always be like, well, I'm fine though, or I don't feel tired, or I've always just slept, you know, five or six hours. But let me tell you, Gone are the days of running on four or five hours of sleep and still looking and functioning like a decent human being. (laughs) Seriously, I know it's easy to do it. We're so used to running on empty that we actually don't even realize that we're running on empty most times. And at some point, you don't even realize that it's catching up to you, but your cravings are a sign that it is. If you're not getting enough sleep, it's a given that your body will start to look for things like caffeine and sugar to supplement, to give you that little boost you need to get through the rest of the day. And the same goes with food, right? I hear this all the time. If you are starting your day off with a light yogurt and then maybe a light salad for lunch, 
that's just not enough. It's not enough to give you energy. It's not enough to fuel you, your brain and your body. Your body is going to look for more resources to keep it going, which again, typically come in the form of caffeine, sugar, the sweet stuff. If your meals are not both satisfying and satiating, you will look for those sweet and salty treats that will fill that void for you. This is one of the biggest things that I address with all of my nutrition clients right off the bat. Most people are under eating throughout the day, which is leading them to crave more stuff, whether it's midday or at night. And it happens all the time, especially with women when we're on a journey for weight loss, uh, fitness, you know, whatever it is, whether you're looking to get stronger or leaner or the first mindset is always to eat less, have less, pull back, remove this from the diet. And it happens all the time. People think that they're eating generally healthy and can't figure out why they're craving more stuff or why they're feeling low energy. And that's because of the lack of food, right? So this happens all the time. And maybe this sounds familiar to you, but you know, I'll ask a client to kind of go through like what a typical day is for them when I'm trying to just get to know what their like day-to-day habits are and like what they consider to be healthy. And I can't tell you how many times it sounds like either one, no breakfast at all, which is fine, whatever. Not everybody likes to eat breakfast or a light yogurt and then a light salad for lunch, which typically looks like this sad garden salad. And it's like, if you just think about everything that you do in the first half of your day, getting up, getting the kids ready, running to work, dealing with people at work, maybe you're on your feet a lot, maybe you're not, maybe you have a high stress job, that requires a lot of energy. So if you're not giving your body what it needs to think, move, kind of go about your day, you're going to feel drained. And then you're going to look for that midday cup of coffee. You're going to look for that sweet treat. You're going to look for something to munch on. You don't even realize that it's coming from the lack of food and just the overall lack of energy. Number two, how to make diets work for you. That's episode number three. This episode might surprise you, and if you haven't listened to the whole thing yet, I definitely recommend going back. But in the meantime, here are a couple of snippets from the number two most listened to episode. I do think that diets can be helpful if you use it as a tool or like base structure rather than a solution. So because what we do know about diets is that they are very restrictive and rigid, making it super hard to stick to for the long term, which is why people are always on this diet roller coaster. They're always falling on and off. But what ends up happening most of the time is instead of blaming the diet, we tend to blame ourselves. And I hear this all the time. Literally, people will say to me, Uh, I just need to get back on Weight Watchers or, you know, it really works, but I just need to be better at it or I need to just be more consistent or when I was doing it, I felt good or when I did it, I lost, you know, X amount of weight. And here's the thing. If you find yourself 
saying that over and over again, if you find yourself failing, and I'm doing like air quotes here at a diet, and you find yourself on and off, that is like a clear cut sign that the diet doesn't work, at least not for the long term. And that's the thing. Most diets do work for the short term because for short term, it does feel very easy if you really dial in to like focus on things with lots of rules and structure and rigidness. But we're all human and we want to live our lives. So those things become really hard to maintain for the long term. What I mean by that is if you are going to choose to follow a specific diet, again, I'm mostly referring to like fad diets, right? So we're talking like keto, paleo, Octavia, Weight Watchers. God, I don't know. There's so many out there. South Beach diet. I don't know. Is that still a thing? (laughs) The Mediterranean diet. If you are going to choose to do that, do it with an open mind and open eyes. So what I mean by that to clarify is don't just jump online and buy some random meal plan. You know, do a little research, join a group and community, see what the people are like in those groups. How supportive are they? Where are they at now? How long have they been on these journeys for? Check out the recipes. Do these recipes even sound like something or look like something that's doable for you, right? Like, for example, if you're someone who struggles to prep meals and the site requires meal prepping, that might be a huge challenge. Or if it requires a lot of time in the kitchen and you hate cooking, chances are this is going to be hard for you to stick to long term. Pick one that might even feel easy to modify and tailor for other people in your household, right? So that's something to consider. Are you going at this diet alone? Is your significant other joining you? What are you going to do about your kids' meals? Can you adjust and modify these meals easily for everybody in your household? Once you've gravitated towards a diet, give it a solid two to four weeks, okay? two to four weeks. And in that time, what I truly encourage you to do, if you are going to go the route of, you know, following a fad diet is take notes, take some serious notes, whether you're just making mental notes or you're writing it down in a journal, pay attention to how you feel both physically and mentally. So this is the part that I think people forget about the most. They get so fixated and focused on what this diet is doing for the scale. They're not focusing on anything else. And by everything else, I mean, how are you sleeping at night? Do you have more energy? What's your hunger level like? Are you constantly craving food? Are you craving things less? And then from there, based on that information, you can start to tweak and make this diet your own a little bit. Number one on the most listened to list in my very first interview episode on making fit work was with my friend Tracy Calabrese. Tracy's commitment to her workouts has always been an inspiration to me personally, so the topic of getting motivated and staying consistent just seems appropriate. Take a listen here. Now that I'm working out predominantly at home, I think it's about getting started and giving yourself that permission like, okay, I'm going to get started with this workout, and if it's not working out today, okay, 
then I give my myself this permission to walk away, but at least I try, you know, and I think that is also, it's never happened. I've never walked away from a workout that I've started. <laughs> we always talked about fitness as a journey. It's not, there are starts and stops and we have to be okay with that. And I think every day is a new day to start again. And it just because you missed a workout yesterday or just because it's been a week doesn't mean that you're done. It just means that, okay, it wasn't right in this moment. And now we start over and forgive ourselves and move on. Right. Because if you focus on that, you're just going to get farther and farther away from it. And then here you are six months, a year, two years away. And now it feels like an even bigger hill to climb. It's, you know, just give yourself a hurdle and not a hill. And that's a wrap on one year, 52 episodes of Making Fit Work. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me, guys. I really, really do appreciate you tuning in with me each week. And as always, I'm always looking for topic suggestions. I do this podcast for you to help you on your journey to being stronger, healthier, and happier. It's a great way to connect. So if you haven't already, make sure you drop into the Facebook community, Making Foot Work. It's a private group. Or if you're not following me on Instagram, go ahead and do that. I'd love a DM on your topic suggestions. Whether you've got questions or something that you'd just like me to expand on, I'd love to help. So hope to hear from you soon. And in the meantime, happy birthday to Making Fit Work. And Here's to another year. All right, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Making Fit Work. If you did, it would mean so much to me if you took a minute to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference and would be super helpful to me. Also, if you have any topic suggestions, if there's something in particular you'd love for me to address on this podcast, feel free to shoot me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram and find me at fit with underscore Nina. Again, you can find me at fit with underscore Nina, or you can join my private community on Facebook called making fit work and drop your topic suggestions in there. Until next time, my friends, be strong, be healthy, be happy.